Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Um, obviously, it's not just me on the podcast today. We've got a very special guest who um, I will let um, him have the floor in a minute to introduce himself. But I want to say uh, thank you for coming back to the podcast, as always. Um, and uh, if you have any questions, if you want to contact me, you can do so on my social medias at Zoe Discovers, at Zoe Discovers NK, or uh Zoe discovers at gmail.com. Okay, got all of that out the way. So now um, we can finally uh, start to enjoy this episode of the podcast. Uh, Rob, do you want to um, in- introduce yourself? Tell our listeners, um, our viewers also about yourself, because um, if you guys do watch stuff on YouTube, we are currently um, recording this visually as well. So if you would like to see um, our handsome, handsome faces, then uh, then do head over to YouTube to listen to this. Rob, take it away. <laughs> Thank you for the compliment. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm Rob uh, Thomas. I go by Rob Thomas, not the musician of Matchbox Twenty, but I'll take the attention. But um, head. yeah, my American band from the uh, early two thousands, late nineties, my my age group. But um, yeah, from Tennessee in the United States, and uh, uh, my family and I worked in North Korea for about two years and helping, you know, facilitate some humanitarian work um, related to farming, construction, and even had a hand in tourism, uh, but mainly humanitarian side of things. And um, yeah, I have a background in construction and uh, background as a university professor and background in business and real estate. So um, I was able to kind of be active in several areas of economy and development and stuff like that. And um, yeah, we're now currently uh, in South Korea and um, in the process of trying to regain our language Mm -hmm. because pretty much from 2016 all the way through, you know, COVID pandemic, we were um, stuck in the United States and if you don't use it, you lose it. We lost our language acquisition in yeah. so many ways. Not a whole lot of uh, opportunities to practice Korean in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. As, you know, it might be a surprise for some people, but maybe not. Uh, although uh, one of the highest concentrations of Korean population is not too far from us in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, wow. So there's one of the highest concentrations of Korean Americans in the United States outside of California and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so we're just in that process. We got back November uh, 2022. And this time we came back with a second child. We uh, before then only had one child. So, but we can 
talk about that more or whenever we had taken our kid into North Korea and that was pretty fun too. Actually, it was yeah. the bridge builder, I think, with the people. Definitely. And I think so. Um, so I actually um, so uh, Rob or Rob Thomas, how, how do you want me to call you? Do you want me to do the full thing? Rob Thomas. Rob. Yeah. Rob. OK, Rob cool. <laughs> the famous artist. Rob's cool. Um, so, um, I, uh, actually appeared on one of your podcast episodes, um, which feel free to plug if you want. Um, and we kind of chatted, um, that was one of the things that like we chatted about first, um, that really like, um, yeah, there it is up there. <laughs> um, we kind of chatted, uh, about, um, we chatted about a lot of stuff and that was one of the things that like really interested me. Um, and I think will interest a lot of our listeners, um, is the fact that you, you know, you not just went to North Korea. Um, actually, it is very different because I go in and out of North Korea a lot. Um, but you stayed in North Korea for a long period of time, and not only did you stay in North Korea for a long period of time and live there, um, but you also did a lot of really interesting and crazy stuff, and also had your entire family there. Um, so this is like so on so bizarre to me on so many levels and so new and so interesting that um I don't know maybe okay let's start from the beginning it's a very good place to start um how mm. did this come about how does an American uh, decide that they're gonna take their family to North Korea what is it that you do there start at the what was it how did mm. we get to this point <laughs> yeah um it was about 2012 when my wife and I were in a process of exploring our options for our lives. And um, I had been a university professor at uh, Taylor University in Indiana. And um, we had decided that my wife would pursue a management position in Tennessee. So that was, which is where I'm from, but that was kind of the catalyst for our relocation from Indiana to Tennessee. And that began really the process of our connections to the Korean Peninsula. Um, I think we both knew when we first met that we were going to be somewhere else in the world. And, um, you know, we didn't know at the time if it was going to be kind of in short durations or just kind of, you know, decades at a time or whatever. But we knew international travel and exploration and engagement was going to be part of our lives. And um, is that because you, you liked a, travel or is that because you just had a feeling or what was it that gave you that mm, sense? Uh, multiple things, I'd say. I, I've always had a bit of a, a travel lust. I've always had a, an interest in the world. Um, even all through college, I would you know, try to get all my studies done and try to get off work on the weekends so <laughs> I could drive from Tennessee either down to the Panhandle in Florida. I would camp out on the beach and then the next morning drive right back up for university classes or I'd go to the East Coast. And I just, I, I like to be outdoors. I like to be kind of in the world. And uh, so that's one part of it. And the other part is our faith. Uh, my wife and I are you know, active Christians. And so that's, you know, a really important part to our faith is, you know, actually what Jesus said to go into all nations. Mm -hmm. So it's for us exercising our religion on one hand. And then the other hand is, you know, it just satisfies interest in the world. And I think it's more exciting, you know, just for me, I, I get so bored being in one place too long. I, I like interacting with people of all backgrounds and I like to try new foods. I like different cultures and that probably goes back to maybe in some way. I don't think about this still now, but as a kid growing up, um, I was born in Memphis and then we moved to Chicago. Then we moved to new Orleans and then we moved. So, you know, several pivotal, um, places growing up, you know, very culturally diverse places, uh, rich in music and food and, um, you know, New Orleans was really, you know, long lasting in my memory. Mm. Um, I remember as a kid, you might've heard of Mardi Gras, just a, yeah. a time yeah. of the year before Lent. And 
that leads up to Easter. You know, it's it's actually you know part of a religious a Christian uh, history, and uh, it's it's a nut a nutty time. It's just crazy, and uh, <laughs> that that had a long lasting impression on me. But part of that was you know seeing all kinds of people you know celebrate together, have fun together, break bread together. And I just love that interaction, that diversity and uh, coming together, you mm. know, and um, so, yeah, those are kind of the the ideas and motivations that kind of compel us, my wife and my family and I to be out and in the world. Mm. Um, yeah. It, so, yeah, it, I would say you're that. definitely, definitely preaching to the choir here. Like I, I completely mm -hmm. <laughs> agree with all the things you're saying. So, um, mm -hmm. but why? Okay. So you were. Where, oh. where were we in the in the store in the chronicle gearing up to gearing gearing up how did north korea korean peninsula right, exactly peninsula get on my yeah get on our radar um so yeah 2012 ish we had a friend who had just come back to america after spending a summer in seoul and she spent the summer there um you know learning Korean, learning Korean culture. She had an interest in uh, South Korean culture at the time. Somehow that got on her radar uh, while in college. And she just shared her experience actually with us. And we we're like, man, we got to check this out. We had, hmm. at the time, I, I think we, we both knew that, you know, there was a North Korea, South Korea, but we didn't really know so much past that beyond that there was a Korean war, the cause of the divide. Um, but when our friend came back and said, you know, she gave us more insight into the dynamics involved with the Korean Peninsula and the situation mm -hmm. since the Korean War, we were like, we we have to go. And we had actually already bought plane tickets to Thailand. And mm -hmm. we're like, since we're going to be on that side of the world, let's let's try to make make it on up to Seoul. And so we did. And uh, we spent about uh, seven to ten days. And so kind of meeting our friends, friends and her connections. And we're like, wow, is there, how do we get into the North? It just kind of kept making us more curious. And um, so the last night we were there, we met someone who was engaged with you know, tourism and uh, agriculture and stuff. And he invited us to come back mm -hmm. you know, as tourists. And um, I think wish I could remember his name. Uh, it's been like seven, eight years ago. So uh, that's fine. I'll let you off. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, a few months, six months after that return, we had tickets to come back to yeah. uh, China to get into North Korea, and so we did that. We spent about three weeks in the region, uh, the Yanbian, uh, Yanji, China area, and. Mm -hmm. So one week in China, one week in North Korea, followed by another week back in China to kind of think mm -hmm. about everything to kind of assess, you know, and get to meet people. And I had, I, I found that area of where China meets Russia meets North, meets North Korea <sighs> incredibly interesting. It was yeah. like a very unique diaspora, a melting pot of Russians and Chinese and Mongolian and North Koreans. And, you know, that's where we, we had uh, a couple meals at North Korean run restaurants oh, yeah. in Yanji. And I even saw like North Korean officials walking the street and I was like, this is, this is so bizarre, you know, it's, like I, yeah, I didn't think this would be possible. Right. And like yeah, Yanji is, is so interesting to me. Like I remember when I first got there and like um, all of the signs are in both Korean and Chinese and it, it does feel right. very bizarre. Um, and for those that, that don't know, I mean, Yanji is like to kind of um, give you some visuals and stuff. Uh, Yanji borders um, or like this area of North Korea, it's like um, on a on a tri-border right so you've got russia china and north korea all at the top so it is really really northern china um the some of mm -hmm. the most northern that you can go and it is freezing like i went i don't know when you went but i went in february <laughs> and it was very very cold but the interesting place mm -hmm. about this is um that i want to ask you as well is that um to go to um this is where 
you enter North Korea from. You go, uh, sorry, this is mm -hmm. where you enter Rason from. Um, you go from Yenji um, in Yenbian province and um, right high up and then go into Rason, not Pyongyang, because when you go into Pyongyang, mm -hmm. um, you enter from a much more southern location, which is called Dandong. Um, and from there, you cross over the Yalu Bridge, right? Um, but when you cross mm -hmm. over in Yenji, you go to Rason, which is a really interesting place in North Korea. Um, it's a special economic zone. Um, even the border alone is interesting because sometimes you're able to literally just walk over the border. Um, it's a place where they give you stamps. I don't think that they give American citizens stamps, but it's a place where they give other citizens stamps. You didn't get a stamp. No. Um, but uh, it's it's just a really interesting area. And so where did... Rasong come from, I, I guess you went to Rasong, right? Where did Rasong yeah. mm -hmm. come from? Like, why was it not Pyongyang? Um, yeah, what happened there? Uh, that That's where the, the tourism agency you know, was headquartered. Oh, in, okay. Uh, Rasong. And, and so we went there and, you know, their mission is in part doing tourism with kind of service projects sometimes. So they've done tree planting and agriculture and, um, goat farming and stuff like that mm. and uh and it, it becomes i think a, a genuine asset to the people the area and it's kind of combining this idea with um traveling with a purpose and mm. kind of service-minded traveling and um so that's that really you know fed into you know and that's we agreed with that that meshed really well with our philosophy mm. and our worldview and so that's how we got connected or, you know, what brought us there. And, mm. um, you know, I know a lot of people, I don't need anybody else to tell me we're crazy possibly for taking a kid. But, uh, you know, when we went in as tourists, uh, there were a handful of families with kids. And, um, you know, contrary to belief uh, from our experience, you know, the traveling with kids actually makes so much easier. And I think a lot of, um, you know, when you travel to a place that is still technically at war um, with your home country, you know, there's a lot of preconceptions mm. that are natural, that are formed by media. And, uh, you know, we have to remember as people that, you know, media is an industry that makes money off bad news. They can't really make ends meet if they just cover true good news yeah. um you know they they really focus in on the the negative um hyperbolic kind of information and but it was very different you know we never i ask some people when i'm speaking to groups or whatever what images come to mind when you think about north korea mm -hmm. and we get the common responses you know marching soldiers military parades um artillery whatever and then I show them pictures from our experiences, mm. which don't have any of that. We never saw any of that. We never saw uh, military parades. We we saw very few military, but we never saw like artillery. Um, and I've I've seen probably more military actually in South Korea than I ever saw in North Korea. Um, and so yeah, it, it was very just you know different night and day yeah. compared to how the world kind of thinks of it. For and, sure. Um, I think yeah. I ju just um, because we have like a lot of American listeners, listeners actually on the on the podcast, um, like half the listeners are actually from the US. So maybe we can stick on the on the um, US side of things for a minute. I'm just curious for you, like as a US citizen, like obviously you went before the travel ban. So it's kind of slightly, mm -hmm. um, slightly different um, because you you could go and you can't go right now because of the travel ban. Um, but, and, and obviously because of that, tensions are a little bit higher, but did you feel scared going in as a US citizen? Did you have any extra preconceptions? Like, I don't know, was the, were the other people on your group also from the US? Um, did the North Koreans treat you any differently? Uh, did they talk to you about the US, ask you about politics? Uh, did you talk politics with them? Um, you know, just, Talk to me a little bit about the U.S. perspective of things. Mm. Yeah, I would, I would say there was a little bit of ang um, anxiousness, you know, mm. gearing up the first time we went to North Korea. And that's because our idea of the place was formed by 
you know, just images from the news and the internet. Uh, but we also had to kind of balance that out stories mm -hmm. from people who had gone before us and which were very different from those images. And, uh, Actually, when we did go as tourists, we had not yet had our first child, so that made it a little easier. Right. Um, but um, so we go, and you know the the people were very welcoming in our experience. You know, they're very cordial, very uh, the North Koreans are very jovial and um, warm. Actually, people in our experience, and um, you know, I. I, I don't know why that would be other than that that is um, how they treat foreigners in mm. our experience. And I, I know there are stories that are very contrary to that and have very um, detrimental, you know, experiences. And but that wasn't our, our experience ever. And um, uh, the people we actually went with uh, the first time we went, there was um, – tourist groups from European countries, you know, like the Netherlands, Holland, uh, Germany, um, France. We had people from the Philippines, uh, Canada, uh, I think one person from Brazil. So it is oh, a very, very multi-ethnic group. It's it about 22 people uh, mm -hmm. when we went. And um, the UK, actually, yeah, you were nice. represented there. <laughs> And uh, and so I think that was a very interesting picture because mm. I think back on that because uh, you know North Korea is known to be the most homogenous culture in the world and you know then this tour bus rolls into town and then you have a very multi-ethnic group of people you know black white Latino Asian you know kind of all represented getting off the bus mm. and I, I think that's a beautiful picture. You know, mm. that's um, kind of unity at work. And, you know, I think back, you know, what what might the North Koreans be thinking about that when they see these people from all over the world, you know, mm. kind of unified and getting along coming to their country? Um, that's a question I would like to ask them one day, mm. um, maybe a tour guide or something like that. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I, and I, you know the yeah go ahead sorry i was just gonna say that and the food was great you know we had a oh, okay <laughs> a lot of uh gobaro and you know deep fried pork with a sweet sauce on it and malatang and uh oh, so eggplant good. fried rice and all kinds of stuff yeah i actually had yeah. malatang today so I'm, oh really nice yeah. Oh, yeah i actually had um I didn't have it yet today, but um, this week I had uh, Pyongyang cold noodles, actually, which is a very famous, uh, mm. famous North Korean dish. I'm sure I'm sure you'll probably miss it. Mm. The, I, I won't explain what they are because it's literally written on the tin, you know, <laughs> they are literally just cold noodles. Very famous, though. But um, just just on what you were saying, um, then I think like and what you've touched on um, a little bit before is um, the kind of importance of like just engaging on like a people level um and how important it is that the north koreans just like see foreigners you know i think that like a massive change can be done or like you know it makes a massive difference um the north koreans just seeing foreigners alone whether they get to speak to them or not um i think that it it really helps see foreigners in a light that's like with their own eyes just like it helps when we see north korea with our own eyes and not through the media lens and stuff like that it's the same with the north koreans because um obviously they have their own propaganda as well and it's funny because um you said you know you went to rason and one of my um clear images from rason that because weirdly enough it was the first place that I went to as well um and a lot of mm. your story really resonates with me um it's quite bizarre how many crossovers that are with such a unique um story to be honest uh so it's quite bizarre but um the first place I went to was Rason which is a weird place to go to because hardly ever anyone ever visits there um and uh, you walk around the park and I don't know if you walked around the park in Rason Rason I think there's only one park it has a um uh, the one with like has a playground and then it walks you walk further down it and you get to the sea 
um and it also has like a 4d cinema in it have you have you been there before it has like a skate park I not think, to the or... cinema no okay no. have you have you been, walked around the park at all or you have no recollection i don't know if it was the same park or the one there was a, one with a school that yeah um, i'm familiar it with that so that's the thing it has a school in there i think it has like um a school playground in there as well and this is what oh. i was about to mention because all over the school playground like walls are like anti-american propaganda um and it's very much like you know you have these american soldiers with big noses and stuff like that that's how they're typically represented in korean propaganda um being literally like brutally murdered um by uh by a korean soldier or you know whatever it is and i think like um this is the uh view that the north koreans have of the japanese or uh sorry of the of the americans actually usually it's the americans like brutally murdering someone else right like you know they're always very um they're always depicted as very um uh angry and very brutal and stuff like that or you you have them with like you know their head on a stick or something like that and it's 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 awful and this is the kind of stuff that you see like in schools um on school walls and stuff like that and so um it is done i should say i should say that it is done in like a cartoon fashion i don't know if i'm making this worse or better for myself but it's done in like a way that it's not it's not very lifelike um you know it is kind of cartoony mm -hmm. and it is still a kid's playground so it's very colorful and stuff like that Ah uh, man, I'm gonna have to put some pictures up on some people that think that this is crazy. But um, this is the view that North Koreans have of Americans, um, and this is what's in their textbooks and stuff like that. And so it's just so nice for an American to be able to go there, um, and for the Koreans to see like, oh, okay, they're like a normal person, and they smile and they talk like us, like a normal person. And it works both ways. I think that that's how we feel about the North Koreans as well. You know, um, a lot of people um you know kind of find it weird to think like oh hey like they are just kind of like us like they're normal people and they're not uh these people who are talking about military all the time and they're not all all soldiers and stuff like that so yeah that's just that's just my thought on that but you mm -hmm. didn't you didn't see these um any of these pictures when you were there or no uh i didn't see the paintings or the murals uh never mind but <laughs> no uh we did walk around. I mean, we lived there for two years, so we saw a lot of it. Mm. But, you know, we – when we did move there and we lived there, we would usually go in two to three weeks at a time, right. do our work, and come back out to China, get some more supplies, food, whatever, mm. um, baby need stuff, and uh, then go back in. The you know, longest we stayed was six months or so. It was close to that, and – I think that actually being there for that long duration of time, things got easier. You know, actually, right. you know, we we got into this rhythm, this routine. Um, you know, this is how it is. This is how you know life is going to work here. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, actually having a child there, we were able to befriend uh, other families, you know, North Korean families who had kids, and so the kids. Yeah. The kids don't come in with these preconceptions. The kids, yeah. they see each other, and there's like this kind of symbiotic recognition. Like, wow, you're a kid. I'm a kid. Hello. <laughs> and, you know, they don't know the language, of course, but they, they start interacting, you know, very playfully. Mm -hmm. And um, and to me, you know, that's, that's what it's about. It's kind of like the, a little glimpse of the potential hope between – uh, North Korea in the world, North Korea in the United States, whatever. Um, and I think, you know, families are great um, facilitators of unity, you know, when they work together as a unit. And it's not to say, you know, couples and singles, whatever, groups, whatever. But I, I think, you know, we need all kind of working together. And, yeah, I, I was you – know, when I tell people that, you know, actually things are easier as a family – Compose as a you know contrary to um, what a lot of people may think it's mm. it's not as difficult as what a lot of people would think it is it, it is I will say it's challenging no doubt it's challenging to live there but it it was very possible mm. and 
what made it easier for us is what I'm trying to say is actually being a family mm. because I think, you know, whenever you see a family with a young baby, there's – most people are, are a little more tolerant and right. patient with mm -hmm. that with that unit of people um, and maybe forgiving in a lot of ways, you know, mm. and um, so, yeah. Um it is Those such more yeah no it's it's such more of a like a, a human um a human much more of a human experience it's lovely um i can't wait mm -hmm. one day maybe i'll maybe i'll have my own my own family bring them into north korea <laughs> um in the future yeah. along in the future um mm -hmm. <laughs> so um before like this is the kind of stuff that i really want to talk about but before like i get more into you and your family in north korea how did we get to working in North Korea? Like, how did that come about? And, um, you know, how did you guys decide, okay, this is what we want to do? And also, how did it kind of then end? Do you, was it the travel ban? Do you mm -hmm. intend on going in? Let me, yeah, just mm -hmm. chat away on that. Well, actually, the the company we were, went in with as tourists was engaged in construction projects and other things. And with my background in construction, you know, that that was the connection. And um, I grew up in a family that does real estate and construction because they, they really are hand in hand. You know, you need construction to build the houses. You need real estate to sell the houses. So that's kind of my family experience. And um, so that was the, the way we got in. We were able to get permission oh. uh, because of my background in construction, but also as a university professor and we had discussed maybe trying to develop a cultural uh, educational exchange, you know, kind of thinking big picture, long term. And this still may happen. I don't know where we try to develop and gr get granted permission to do study abroad programs mm -hmm. uh, in North Korea, where students from other universities around the world could come there learn and then you know get their college credits and then go back to their home country after one or three months because there's uh, the universities i've worked at and gone to they have sometimes one month options sometimes three month options where you can get three credit hours or up mm -hmm. to 12 or 15 credit hours in uh, a few months or something like that mm -hmm. and i think that would be a really fascinating thing to develop is uh i mean Imagine learning economics in a European country and then coming to, you know, China or North Korea and studying economics for one to three months and having a comparison to the different styles, different forms of economics and stuff like that. Um, so anyway, but all that to say, that's how I got permission to go in was my background. And we were there with a, a, a business visitation visa, and that's how we could stay in country so long. And, and you were um, you were working in Rasan or you, you then went down to Pyongyang to work or you do the whole time in Rasan? A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The whole time was in Rasson, and uh, yeah, I've never been to Pyongyang. Um, wow. It's on my bucket list. Yeah, but, uh, you definitely yeah. have to come to Pyongyang. Yeah, yeah. You know a good tour guide? If I know one, I'll let you know. <laughs> okay, thanks, thanks. <laughs> yeah. All ears. <laughs> um, 
that is just crazy to me that you haven't been so have you been did you go anywhere up northeast because Rasan is in the northeast were you close to Mount Pekju I mean did you go to Mount Pekju at all mm-hmm. did you go to Chongjin and stuff like that you kind of went around in the northeast area or yeah we went to the the place where the three countries come together and very we cool yes would, yeah we'd go into Russia uh because when we're in China we were we had to leave the country every 90 days you know to do yes. border runs and that actually worked out really well that worked out to our benefit because we could go into Russia mm-hmm. and that's where we bought our cheese which is ah. hard to find in <laughs> that's China. <funny>. So <laughs> yeah I would I would come back from Russia with like eight to 12 pounds of cheese and give it to friends and stuff oh like that so and would so you go I would from say, North I, Korea into Russia or from China into Russia We'd go from China into Russia. China into Russia, okay. And yeah, we'd go there, stay in a little town, uh, <laughs> in a hotel, and it was it was very interesting. I I found that very um, intriguing in so many ways. Yeah. Because we didn't need a tour guide or anything to go into Russia. I, it may be different now because of the geopolitical tensions between United States and Russia. I have no idea if we can even get into Russia if we want to, but. Yeah, um, I think so. I know. Anyway, I know that's where you can get good cheese if you need it. <laughs> Excellent. And so yeah. you were so you were working there. What kind of work exactly were you doing? And yeah, also, was uh, it you and would... your wife, or was it just you working? Because you mentioned it was mm-hmm. because of your background. So. Yeah, uh, yeah, the whole family, you know, would help as they could, and so we would help, you know do maintenance repairs on there's a farm there and that was engaged with agriculture so they were growing wheat and corn and basil and tomatoes and they also had livestock uh, goats and stuff like that and tree planting and honey you know there was bee bee farm hive there and uh hives i would say and uh so we helped all the construction maintenance and development of the the structures with those mm-hmm. things and um also you know, as a university professor i taught uh, ceramics and sculpture and mm-hmm. i i built a, a ceramic kiln you know high temperature furnace and that was kind of related to the whole tourism thing where we had started to explore you know cultural art exchange initiatives and what I would love to do at some point is, um, I don't know if you ever saw the art gallery in Rasson. Uh, it was a North yes, Korean art. Yes, actually, yeah. yeah. I remember there's something about and a tiger. Maybe yeah. there was just a picture of a tiger in there. I don't know. That's my impression. <laughs> seeing that, seeing that gallery when I was there as a tourist, is where some ideas started to come to mind. Where maybe we could do art exchanges. And I actually had a friend who. At one time in the earlier 2000s, been granted permission to get North Korean art mm-hmm. from the country and have it exhibited on a gallery circuit in the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I thought of, I still do think of art as a bridge to mm-hmm. all parts in the world. And and that could relate naturally to tourism um, and cultural exchange and stuff like that and kind of even stretch it out even further and maybe embrace you know cuisine art and stuff like that you know where you have chefs and cooks from different Mm. parts of the world kind of coming in and uh and then they could be sent out you know from north korea maybe at some point in the future and you know just kind of exchange these these art ideas these art Mm. processes and uh yeah that's kind of the thinking that was going on and mm. the things we were doing. And then 2016 happened, or actually uh, earlier 2015, we found out we're going to have a second kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, How old we decided was your to go first back kid, to the sorry, United this States. Time. Your first uh, kid was... First one, about two years old. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Carry on, yeah. sorry. And uh, so... Yeah, we decided at the end of 2015, beginning 2016, we'll go back to the United States and then, uh, you know, have our second child. Mm-hmm. 
and then raise some awareness and support to go back and kind of inform people, mm -hmm. wow, here's our experience. It's a lot different than what you might have heard about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the travel ban came down 2017 for your American citizens and which is still in place. So we decided to stick in the, in the United States and then, uh, you know, just raise money, raise support, raise awareness and um, hope that that travel ban would be amended or something over yeah. the next year or so. And then it just kind of kept going and, uh, and then COVID happened and then mm. we're like, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And I, thought, <laughs> I, I kind of, I tell people now looking back, I, I am glad we were in the United States during mm. COVID. Um, you know, I think for something like that, I, being a family and having kids, um, being in a place that's familiar and close to family and whatever resources, and if you're in a situation like a pandemic, no one really knew the severity and the extent that would be. Um, so I'm kind of glad we're in the U.S. for that. But mm. here we are. And, you know, and we're still trying to um, talk to our State Department about amending or abolishing the travel ban and yeah. which I'm very much against yeah so. yeah no definitely it is um it's been gone on for uh for far too long first of all North Korea needs to open up again after COVID but um yeah that's that's mm -hmm. definitely second on the agenda to try and get because I I you know I I very strongly believe in as all we've been saying you know this kind of cultural engagement and how important just human to human connections are and stuff so um yeah, it's it's a big shame, but um, I I was just I was wondering if we could go back to you um working in North Korea just to kind of flip things back. Um, I we I'll try and uh, keep it short because I don't want to keep you for too long. But um, you said that <laughs> you know when you were going in, you would stay for like two or three weeks, but then also you had like a six month stint. Like, um, what was that like going in for a short period and then a really long period? Why were you in there for six months? And oh my gosh, what is it like to live in North Korea for six months? Because the longest that I was there ever was one month. And to be honest, after that, I mean, I was working one month without one single break, pretty much. So I guess that was why I was very run down. But man, I was very run down. So how were you six months mm. in North Korea? I think... Um... You know, the longer we were there, the more connections we made with the locals, mm. all right? We we made more connections, and because we were not there as tourists, we were there as specialists, we had a little more freedom, you know, right. we... You could um, walk around by yourselves? Uh, You know, our our guide was with oh, us. Right. okay, but, your guide was with you, yeah. You know, after a while, you know, we... uh. We had a little, we had a little more freedom, and mm -hmm. um, I think after a while, showing them that we were not going to do anything stupid to get them in trouble, you know, they they were pretty relaxed on it. And do you say you know, relaxed on it, when, meaning like they did let you walk around by yourselves in the end, or a little bit, or no, really? I'm just a little crying. bit, yeah. Okay, I mean, you know, like I would say. I, they we, they always knew where we were i mean right. there's no way for them not to know yeah um and we didn't i mean we knew that but we it didn't bother us and yeah. um i think yeah just the longer we were there we you know found the restaurants we preferred we found right. the food sources we could go to for mm -hmm. you know eggs and flour and um you know actually we we got pretty uh pretty healthy because we we're eating like non-gmo mm. to, uh, tomatoes and basil and making bread um yeah. from you know low gluten flour and stuff like that you know we just you know i came out looking i was like wow yeah and then i went back to the united states and gained 30 pounds you know? <laughs> never mind <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah and yeah so yeah the the thing I, I actually learned was uh things got so much easier because we just got into a living rhythm. Mm. We we made the connections with the locals and they recognized us. We got to meet, you know, got to know the same vendors in the market. Mm. And so we became kind of accepted in some ways. And cool. uh, I think that's the whole point behind the Rasson area, the special economic mm. zone. I think that is 
the intention behind, in part, North Korea government's purpose for that area. Mm. And um, in that way, I would say it's pretty successful. Yeah. And why, why were you there for so long? Why were you there for six months? That's a very long time. To... Married of a married of construction jobs oh, wow. on the okay. on the farm. Um, it's a greenhouse. There's the yeah. kiln to build the foundation for a building um, and everything kind of moves slow. I mean, wow. it's, uh, you know, sometimes electricity comes and goes and yeah. you work when you can and a lot of manual tools, uh, yeah. which was great exercise by the way um <laughs> can't imagine and you know we just we just moved at the pace we could and yeah. that's kind of the time it took to do those those projects and all of this time you were with your two-year-old baby or one to two-year-old mm -hmm. very cute yeah yeah my wife yeah yeah oh amazing and you know they they would be around you they'd help they'd hang out with uh the locals when we're working and whatnot and yeah you know, kids local kids would interact and yeah right. you know it became very natural in a lot so, of ways yeah i think i like really in um i mean to be fair i don't know where what it's like where you're from but um in the west i think and in the uk at least we've definitely lost that kind of value of like you know neighbors helping out and stuff um and i think in east asia um especially the kind of um more rural places or smaller areas and it's still very much got that kind of neighborly feel and you know you you just helping each other out borrowing things from each other's houses or like looking after each other's babies um did you get that kind of feel at all in north korea as well like was you know that the neighbors kind of just picking up your baby and just uh, chilling out with them and, <laughs> and playing with them and stuff was there that kind of rural feel to it or was it still a bit yeah yeah standoffish yeah no, we, uh, I think having the kids I saw from the mm -hmm. expat, uh, expats who came in as tourists or whatever, the, the kids were immediately received. Oh. Like the kids, uh, were just like magnets. They, they really <laughs> broke down a lot of, um, suspicion or speculation, mm. uh, from the locals and, you know, it, and because of that, tensions and anxiety and uh doubt and worry just go down you know when you you people pick up on those yeah. those feelings pretty fast mm. and um so yeah i think yeah we were always warmly accepted as a family mm. um and i do remember kind of walking here and there alone and you know some people locals might look at me especially in the winter when i'm wearing like a russian style <laughs> hat uh <laughs> I think they look at me like, are you Russian? Are you American? Mm. You know, what are you? Mm. And then, you know, my kid would come walk and run up and grab my leg. And, you know, the locals see the kid and they forget me, and right. then, which I'm okay with. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Th and that reminds me as well. I mean, they probably thought that you were Russian because it makes much more sense for a Russian to be right near to the Russian border and in North Korea than it does for an American. Right. Um, and it, it happens to me all the time. It's really funny whenever I'm whenever I'm in Taiwan people will always be like oh are you from America and I'm like no um but then when I'm in mainland China it's all the time it's oh are you from Russia or like people start talking to me in Russian and I'm like oh. and it, it makes sense because I guess like um you know like the way that I look and stuff I it's it more likely that I'm Russian when I'm in China because they have a lot more Russians especially in the northeast and then in Taiwan there's more Americans but um yeah I'm I'm neither so never mind um <laughs> but um I was just gonna say something oh yeah I had a question actually and of course absolutely no problem if not if you have no idea but um in I don't because you have an experience um kind of with the farming kind of community in North Korea I don't know if you know um in North Korea, basically everyone has to go to the farm. And just for the benefit of our listeners as well, um, how this works is basically like in peak season, um, peak farming season around like March to May kind of time, I think from memory, 
all of the city people um, are basically sent to the farms. And it, it sounds horrific, but actually um, some of the people really enjoy it. Some of the um, guys and girls really love it because like they get out of the city, they get to like chill at a farmer's house for two weeks. Um, mainly the girls do a lot of like cooking and cleaning and then the boys will like go out and do like the hands-on kind of work and stuff. Some of them hate it because they get an awful tan being out in the sun all day, stuff like this. Um, I'm just, I, obviously I'm speaking from the experience of the Pyongyang um, colleagues and friends I know that, um, you know, they tell me, oh, like I'm, I'm going to the farm next week, like, oh no, or some of them are really excited. I'm wondering in Rasan, did you meet any of these city people um, working on the farms or did you see any of this at all or just not at all? Mm -mm. No, <laughs> I, I didn't hear or see any of that. It was the same people working the farm year round and so we became friends with them because we were always crossing paths and whatnot but uh i i don't remember like the number of farmers going up during farming season yeah uh and where we were there was we actually had access to equipment we had like john deere tractors and stuff like that oh okay it's um, very different yeah. so we had yeah and um yeah, very a quite developed process where we were. Right. Yeah, and I that think could in, be proximity to yeah. China. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's true. I think in maybe some more of the rural locations, then maybe um, you know, a lot of it is very manual, and you know, the Koreans will always tell me like they really appreciate every grain of rice that they eat on their plate because like they remember planting every single grain of rice. Mm. Um, definitely yeah. has some value in that, but, um. Before we, uh, this is just so much to talk about, but I'm really interested in something that you kind of said at the start. Um, obviously, um, you know, you and your family are religious and stuff, and um, that doesn't uh, necessarily gel with um, working in North Korea, or that, that doesn't necessarily gel, not working with North Korea, but, you know, North Korea is obviously um, not very well known for its um, religious freedom and stuff like that. I'm wondering how... Um, you kind of got around, you know, Bibles are strictly forbidden from entering North Korea. I'm wondering how you kind of got around this and how you dealt with being a Christian in North Korea um, and, um, yeah, how you kind of went about that in you and your family. Mm, that's a good question. Um, we actually did not experience any pushback on our mm -hmm. faith in the country. Actually, our experience was just the opposite in the sense that when we would get to the border, the if they saw we were can, you know, by looking at our passport, uh, those in our group, whatever, they would anticipate we were Christian. Like they right. they had this idea that if you're American, you're Christian. And I mean, being American, you know, America is not a Christian nation. I know that because I can just look at the headlines and there's nothing symbiotic or you know, synonymous with the faith, hmm. uh, very little. And uh, it's a little different when you go back to the history, but um, they would say, all right, if you're, uh, if you're expat or you're a foreigner, go ahead and stack your Bibles up here. They were anticipating mm. us bringing wow. Bibles. Okay. In. And so we could, we could bring Bibles in. We'd bring our one Bible. Uh, wow. And, but, you know, we, we were not on the street, you know, on the corner handing out tracks or anything like that. That's just yeah. not our, that's not our style. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we share our, our faith by how we live. And, you know, if people ask, we'll talk about that. We had no, um, no one ever told us from the government that you can't, you can't do this. You can't bring your Bible. You can't be Christian. You can't, we, that was not our experience. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, you know, when we go to restaurants, like anywhere else, we would, you know, say a, a prayer blessing over the meal. And we did that the whole time. And wow. that was never pushed back on in our experience. And I think that was just because maybe they as a, a country or government, local government, they anticipated that we were going to be Christian. So in some ways, it made it actually easier for us to be who we naturally are and uh, who we really are. And um so yeah, it was it was very different. That's another misconception that I I talk about sometimes when I'm talking to groups in the U.S. or whatever. You know, like uh, you wouldn't believe this, but they actually anticipate us to have mm. Bibles when we get to the border. I don't know. Is that 
different when you go to the capital, Pyongyang? Do they say do not bring Bibles? Yeah, yeah, it's it's wildly difficult, uh, different actually, uh, and difficult. Um, and I don't know whether it's a a time um difference thing as well. I don't know whether it's because, uh, you know, some things in North Korea tourism they change a lot of the time, and mostly it gets less strict, right? So, you know, 10 years ago, um, you couldn't take photos from a bus and you couldn't um, bring your mobile phone in and stuff. They, the rules change all the time. Usually it gets less strict. I'm wondering if 10 years ago, um, things were less strict or, you know, a few years ago, um, even things were less strict on Bibles and then something happened to make them more strict on Bibles or whether it's just in Rason, they're more chilled out of our Bibles, or whether it's because you were on a business visa um, and doing different things from tourism. Because in Pyongyang, it is like the most strict thing. Like if I was to tell someone mm. what is the one thing that you're not allowed to bring in, I'm like, it's a Bible. You know, you get into a lot of trouble um, and it's not worth sneaking it in. It's not worth any of the trouble. Um it's a really serious thing to bring in a Bible um, to Pyongyang. Um, and as far as I know, the rest of the country. So, um, and that's been like that since I started working in the country, like uh, I guess in 2017 or 2018. So um, yeah, I don't know whether it's a, maybe it's a mixture of things. Um, maybe something mm -hmm. happened at some point as well uh, to kind of make it a lot more strict, but for sure, um, as a tourist at least, and going in through Pyongyang, it's it's a very big, uh, very big no on the Bibles. And it's the one thing, if they ask you mm -hmm. anything on the train when you're going in, it's the one thing they always ask you for as well. You know, the customs guards will be shouting mm -hmm. around like, Bibles, Bibles, and I'm just like, everyone say no. <laughs> Bibles and mm -hmm. GPS are the two things. Um, so it's it's very interesting to have those very two different experiences. Um, there is uh, There are two churches or three churches in Pyongyang. Um, I think one of them is a Russian Orthodox church and it's it's definitely a functioning church. Uh, did you see any churches in Rason? No, no, yeah, no. no churches that I saw. No. And you, did you ever talk to any of the North Koreans about um, Christianity or religion? Were they ever curious about it or was that the, was that the kind of line that you drew? Well, they, they would ask me, you know, like, why are you here? You know, like, what are you doing? And <laughs> I'd be like, well, I, I love people and I love God and I want to serve God and I mm. can love God and serve God by loving and serving people. Mm. And so that's how, that's a real answer. You know, that's kind of mm. the, the thesis behind what compels us. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and they, they seem to be like, okay, well, that's, that's interesting. And that was about as far as it go. Cool. That was a non-confrontational uh, discourse. Yeah, well, that's really nice. Um, and I suppose just <laughs> before we kind of finish up things, I don't know if you have, um, obviously, if you have any different stories or anything you want to mention. Um, but also, I'm interested in your future plans. What is what is in the future? Is it is North Korea still in your future? Um, in your family's mm -hmm. future? Um, will your second child ever get to see North Korea? You're, so you're hoping so, or what's the plan? Yeah, uh, we we hope and we mm. plan. You know, North Korea is in the cards, and yeah. um, we're in communication with our own government in the United States as far as state representatives, senators, right. congressmen go mm -hmm. to try to, I would say, just ab abolish any travel ban because mm. it, to me, it just uh, is unconstitutional, which is right. uh, a very American phrase. Yeah, th this is, <laughs> yeah, this is one of the things that really shocks me about the travel ban is that no Americans seem to care that like, you know, Americans love to have their rights and Americans love to, mm. you know, as a, as a British person, this is our stereotypical view is like, Americans don't like being told what to do. Um, so to suddenly be not permitted to go to a country, I'm like, why does no one care about this? But <laughs> right. And, you know, it's, it's a handful of countries. It's not just North Korea, but mm. There's a handful of countries that American citizens uh, are told, you know, if you go, then you can, you know, risk losing your passport or mm. fines or maybe jail time. I'm like, 
that that's so antithetical to Americanism, right. uh, just to limit uh, citizens from freely traveling. And uh, hmm. so, yeah, uh, we're we're kind of playing it one day at a time, so to speak. And as we try to, you know, get better with our Korean language, regain the language that we mm-hmm. lost, teach the language to our second child and uh, our first child again. And, yeah. you know, so that's where we are, but um, gosh, I, I would love for access to the, to the North happen from the South. Like mm. I, I, that just makes more that's sense. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, it, it could happen through business. It can happen through cultural exchanges and it can just start small and, you know, go from there. But, um, you know, where I'm from in the United States, um, you probably heard of the car company Ford. Yep. And they have relocated from Michigan or in the process to Tennessee, where I'm from. And they're building like $11 billion um, electric car factory. And the, there's a South Korean battery company that's going to be producing and manufacturing all the batteries. So they're building their facility in Tennessee. And mm. I'm uh, with my experience in real estate, I, w- I would love to kind of help make the connection between, you know, the Korean Peninsula and the United States through some sort of business venture like that, mm. that might help lessen geopolitical tensions. Mm. Um, and but, you know, it's it's just kind of pie in the sky at this time, but that's the aspiration. And then I guess you have not only the travel ban, but also sanctions to deal with as well, which is, um, of course, another Mm. fun topic surrounding Korea. Yes, yes, I think it's another. Yeah. Uh, Your first child, so just from what you just said, your first child, did they pick up up Korean whilst they were there? And of course, did did they have a little bit of a North Korean accent? Uh, I wouldn't say accent, but they... Oh, she yeah. uh sorry yeah, she, she 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 still has a very strong affinity for seaweed she loves it oh wow so that's where okay. that's where it comes from yeah so if, if we go to a restaurant or a friend's house she always likes to take her own little package of seaweed no way that's, that's the cutest thing. that came from yeah that came from being there actually oh, wow. you know she just that that and rice that was pretty much what she just loved to eat. And those were wow. the foods that she just ate. She just loved it and still I does. Love that. So, oh, that's yeah. beautiful. So simple. That's... You know, it's food kind of bridging mm. the gap in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I've mm. kept you, kept you for a while. Did you have anything you wanted to add? Um, did you have anything else you wanted to mention or also feel free to, you know, give your, give your own podcast give yourself your own plug and stuff like that where can listeners go if they want to find out more yeah um i would say if you are in the united states something that comes right to mind is get familiar with the bill hr 1369 Mm. uh, put together by congressman brad sherman out of california and because you know that it's informally i think called the Peace on the Korean Peninsula Act, and um, that would help actually end formally the Korean War. Mm. And if that happens, when that happens, accessing the north from the south and vice versa might actually be possible. And but we we have to get that done first. We have to formally end the Korean War that you know ended in 1953. And you know Americans in the world really it. The Korean War is also known as the Forgotten War, and we have forgotten that it's still technically on. Mm-hmm. But um, so yeah, you know, get get familiar with HR thirteen sixty nine. Uh, try to inform your state reps and congressmen, senators, uh, to get behind that. And you know, this should be a bipartisan thing. I would hope it would be. Uh, what's what's wrong with peace? You know, um, and uh. But yeah, anybody wants to get in touch with me, you can go where where am I? Right here. I got all the links right there. You know, link in the link tree. So Wamok yeah. is a Korean word for reconciliation. 
Ah, but you don't use the word for reunification, tongil. You use reconciliation, huamo. Yeah, it's uh, it actually it actually comes from a Korean Bible, and ah. it's a specific word for reconciliation. It's a reconciliation between people and people with God, oh, and uh, so it's very it's it's unique in that sense. Yeah. For people that um, aren't seeing this but only listening, that's um, that's a link tree. So link, well, I'll spell that l i n k t r dot e e forward slash huamok, which is w h oh, no, which is h w a m o k. So that's link tree slash h w a m o k. Beautiful. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and thank you all at mm -hmm. home for listening. Um, thank you for uh, coming back to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, if you have any questions, if you have any um, comments on today's podcast, um, on, on any of the other previous podcasts or anyone else you'd see, you'd like to see as a guest, then uh, please do uh, send me an email on zoediscovers at gmail.com or message me on Instagram on at zoediscovers. Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much for joining today. It was an absolute pleasure. So hopefully hopefully well, speak to you, you again sometime soon <laughs> bye Absolutely. bye maybe we could do a podcast from north korea someday a north korea podcast i i would like to do a podcast in north korea yeah, yeah. podcast in north korea someday awesome excellent thank you so much mm -hmm. bye bye even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.